Good morning. It's good to be together with Rockway Mennonite Church this morning, and especially to be able to share with you around this topic in the confession of faith of discipleship in the Christian life. You've already heard Luke chapter 10 verses 1 to 11 and the Confession of Faith article read for you, but I would encourage you to have these open in front of you if you're able to uh, while we share around this topic together. In a letter from his prison cell in the mid-1550s, Hans van Overdam wrote, Hence, we rather do what the Lord commands. Though we are despised for a little while and by men cast out of this miserable world and rest in the Lord, then do what men command and be forever the enemy of God in the horrible pit of hell. Therefore, search the scriptures with an upright heart towards God, and the Lord will give you understanding. The Lord be with you. My love to you. I wish salvation to all that seek the Lord with an unfeigned heart. Shortly after he wrote these words, Hans van Overdam and another Anabaptist, Hans Kieskooper, were brought before a local judge in Ghent, Netherlands, and were sentenced to death as heretics for not receiving instruction from the state-controlled church and for continuing to evangelize wherever they went. They were sent back to their cells to await execution, and the martyr's mirror records that they were led away, that as they led away, they smiled at each other because of the great opportunity that had presented itself. Kieskooper and Overdam both knew that public executions drew large crowds from the villages and the surrounding area. Kieskooper made an agreement with Overdam that when they were on the scaffold together, he would ask the executioner for one last request. His request would be to remove his stockings. The fashion of the day was to wear knee-high stockings, and so Kieskooper would ask the executioner if he could take his stockings off before his execution. And so while he was taking off his stockings, Overdam would preach the gospel to the assembled crowd. The story goes that Kieskooper was so slow in taking off his stockings that the executioner actually came over and asked if he could help Kieskooper remove his stockings a bit quicker. To which Kieskooper calmly replied that he was just fine, he could do this on his own, allowing Overdam to continue to share his faith with the crowd. They delayed as long as they could, but eventually Kieskooper's stockings were off, and the two men were placed on the stake, and as they looked up towards heaven, they offered their bodies to God. The stories of the early Anabaptists are fascinating. There appears to have been a clear understanding among these leaders, many of them young adults, of what discipleship to Jesus, even in the most trying circumstances, could mean. They understood that discipleship asked for nothing less than everything. That discipleship encompasses all of our life experience. Imitating our lives after the life that we see, after the life that we experience in Jesus, recognizing that the way of life, that this way of life may put us in direct opposition to the structures and the systems of the world that we live in. The Confession of Faith article, which we just had read for us, highlights this all-encompassing nature of discipleship. The last paragraph of the article says, In all areas of life, we are called to be Jesus' disciples. Jesus is our example, especially in his suffering for the right without retaliation, in his love for enemies, and in his forgiveness of those who persecuted him. Yet, as we follow Jesus, we look not only to the cross, but through the cross, to the joy of the resurrection. 
We place our hope in God's vindication of those who take the narrow way that leads to life. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Today, discipleship is often misunderstood as simply following the moral example of Jesus. Perhaps we prefer to use language like being students of the gospel, that we're learning what it means to be like Jesus, or we're learning, we're learning what we can about Jesus, with the goal of learning being that eventually we become independent of the teacher and face the world on our own. As both the example of Keyes Cooper and Overdam highlights, and as the Confession of Faith challenges, discipleship asks for more of us. The relationship that Jesus had with his, with his disciples, for example, was a close and continuing relationship. A disciple never really becomes independent of the teacher. Instead, discipleship is a lifelong internship, or like an apprentice who seeks to absorb and reflect the character and skill of the master. May you be covered by the dust of your rabbi is an ancient rabbinical blessing which points to the heart of discipleship in which we move ever closer in, in our relationship with Jesus through imitating the example set for us. And in this way, discipleship in the Christian life is an engagement with our neighbors, with, with our communities, with our families through the gospel lens of Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, verses 2 to 3, Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then verse 3, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. When Jesus sent out first the twelve, and then here in Luke chapter 10, when the seventy-two, or the seventy, depending on your translation, are sent out, there is an urgency to the message that the disciples are asked to share. But even more important for our theme of discipleship in the Christian life is the posture which Jesus encourages or even exhorts the disciples to take when they carry the kingdom of heaven, when they carry the kingdom of God into the communities that they visit. Go as lambs among wolves, a position of weakness, a position of vulnerability, even submission. The German theological term Gelassenheit applies here, a powerful yieldedness that declares allegiance to the kingdom of heaven and no other. As we have seen in the news coverage of just the past few weeks, the call of discipleship in the Christian life remains radically countercultural. While the path of redemptive violence seems to simply be the way things are, discipleship calls us into an alternative trajectory. Keyes Cooper and Overdam understood that to follow Jesus meant to take up the cross of Christ, but it also meant to carry that cross in a non-violent, enemy-loving way. For Keyes Cooper and Overdam, it meant enduring the hardships of prison, of torture, of a brutal death, so that the transformative truth of the gospel could be heard by all. In Luke 10, verse 11, Jesus goes on to say, Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. As we've already noted, there is an urgency to this message. Jesus told his disciples to pack nothing. 
There wasn't time for lengthy preparations, no time for stopovers to greet friends. Yet even in the urgency of the message, Jesus reminds his disciples of the posture of their discipleship. In verse 5, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. Come in peace, Jesus says. Although this message is urgent, no one is forced to receive it. No one is coerced into faith. The urgency of the message begins with the peace of Christ. So the question is, how is this posture being reflected in our day-to-day -day lives? The rest of the confession of faith, all of the remaining articles, seek to shed some light into this very question. And it's no surprise that the most challenging and the most controversial articles of our confession of faith come in this last section, come after the article on discipleship. As the confession of faith says, in all areas of life, we are called to be Jesus' disciples. And so it continues on to talk about Christian spirituality. What does discipleship look like in our Christian spirituality? How does discipleship get framed in our families, in our marriages, in our sexual relationships? What does discipleship look like when we talk about truth and speaking of oaths? How about discipleship in stewardship and how we use the resources entrusted to us? Or discipleship in peace and justice and non-resistance? Discipleship in our relationship to government and society? And finally, discipleship in how we look forward to, how we quicken, how we invite the reign of God to come. Jesus said that his disciples were to declare one singular message. They were to say, they were to say peace to the houses, houses that they entered, but when they proclaimed the gospel, whether they healed the sick, whether they uh, did miraculous signs and wonders, whether they simply proclaimed a, a spoken word, whether they were received or rejected, they were to say that the kingdom of God has come near. This is an urgent message. God is already working and moving in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and in our families. What does it look like when God is at work? As Anabaptists, we have always said, look at the church and you'll have your answer. Lambs among wolves. Lambs carrying a message that will turn the world upside down, proclaimed through a witness of peace and justice in direct opposition to the systems of redemptive violence that are so prevalent in our world today. Luke 10 verse 5 again says, first say, peace to this house. If that peace, if that love, if that grace and mercy that you and I extend is received with peace or rejected in anger, the message remains the same. The kingdom of God is near. Overdam and Keyscooper smiled when they realized their own executions would provide an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. May our discipleship, may our Christian life, be in evidence every day of our lives. Amen.